This is World Lutheran News Digest, an audio news magazine bringing you a look at significant events in worldwide Lutheranism. WLN Digest is produced through the facilities of Worldwide KFUO, a broadcast ministry of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. Today on World Lutheran News Digest... I'm World Lutheran News Digest host Kip Allen. According to the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, nearly 640,000 babies were aborted in 2015. That's the most recent data available. Of that total, more than half were committed by Planned Parenthood. In that same year, Planned Parenthood received more than 500 million taxpayer dollars from governmental sources, accounting for more than 40% of the abortion giant's budget. President Trump promised to defund Planned Parenthood during his campaign. However, funding remains in place. Last month, a coalition of pro-life organizations met with administration officials and presented a five-point plan to facilitate defunding. One organization involved was Students for Life of America, whose president, Kristen Hawkins, wrote, Mr. President, pregnancy is not a disease cured by abortion. Students for Life spokeswoman Christy Hamrick is my guest today on World Lutheran News Digest, and we discuss the meeting and plans for the annual March for Life next month. And now, today's Fast Track. The Ohio Senate is expected to pass legislation banning abortion on an unborn baby after he or she has a heartbeat. And there could be enough votes to override Governor John Kasich's promised veto. This amid questions over whether the proposal could withstand a U.S. Supreme Court scrutiny. Republicans control the state Senate with 24 votes to 9, and the heartbeat abortion ban only needs 20 votes to override a veto. The bill could face a full vote as soon as tomorrow. And if the bill becomes law, it would ban abortions at around six weeks into pregnancy, once a baby's heartbeat is detectable. The law allows exceptions to prevent a woman's death or a bodily impairment, or in cases of medical emergency. The bill's text makes it clear that a pregnant woman who undergoes an abortion is not considered in violation of the law. Rather, it allows her to take civil action against the abortion doctor involved if it is proven that the abortionist broke the law related to the wrongful death of the unborn child. An Ohio mother of a Down syndrome child wrote an op-ed yesterday opposing a ban on abortion where babies will be born with a congenital disorder, likening the ban to an almost criminal act. Holly Christensen argues that the ban on Down syndrome abortions strip reproductive rights from all persons, including disabled persons, and uses the disabled to push an agenda. Down syndrome is more common than any other chromosomal disorder, and roughly 6,000 babies are born with Down syndrome every year in the United States. This according to the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. Older mothers are much more likely to give birth to babies with the disorder, the CDC noted. After a seven-year legal battle, America's largest religious media company no longer faces the prospect of violating its faith to comply with Obamacare's contraception mandate. The 11th Circuit Court of Appeals approved a settlement agreement between the Eternal Word Television Network, a station founded by Catholic nun Mother Angelica of the Annunciation, and the Department of Health and Human Services. The court tossed a 2016 court order that would have forced the organization to comply with Obamacare's mandated health care coverage of birth control and abortion drugs that are prohibited by the Catholic Church. 
The Egyptian government voted down a referendum to remove religious affiliation from their citizen ID cards earlier this week. That's a move that many believe will usher in further persecution of the Christian minority living in that African nation. Egypt has forced its citizens to identify their religious affiliations since the 1950s, a move that many have suggested makes it easier to target religious minorities. The proposed bill would have ended that requirement. It received widespread support from human rights groups within the country who were disappointed by its defeat. World Lutheran News Digest will be back right after these messages. Listening to Worldwide KFUO on the go with your smartphone doesn't mean you have to walk around with earbuds all day. You can Bluetooth across the room to a speaker system in your home or listen on radios that have built-in smartphone cradles. There are many easy ways to listen to WorldwideKFUO.org on the air, online, and on demand. We proclaim the clear gospel message of Christ crucified for our sins. The messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO. This is World Lutheran News Digest. The work that he will long as Lutheran Firehawan. I'm Kip Allen, World Lutheran News Digest host. My guest today is a lady by the name of Christy Harmlick, who is the spokesperson for Students for Life of America. Christy, welcome to the program, and tell us a little bit about yourself and about the organization. Well, I have been privileged to work with some of the leading pro-life groups in the country, and right now I am uh, working with Students for Life of America. They're so exciting. More than 1,200 groups on um, college and university campuses in all 50 states. This is the pro-life generation. It's the future of the movement. Um, and, th- and what I really love about Students for Life of America is that we don't just articulate our pro-life views um, at church or, uh, you know, at mass or in our smaller environment. These kids go out to college campuses, they're talking to people, they're mobilizing, they're uh, talking to the generation of women who really are being marketed to by Planned Parenthood and the abortion vendors of this country. Uh, So it is a very active, very aggressive, and very relational organization, especially for the group of people who are being bombarded by pro-abortion messages. This president that we have now, President uh, Donald Trump, uh, has taken steps, I think, to show that he's very much on the pro-life side. One of his campaign promises, which he has not been able to keep, was to defund Planned Parenthood. Now, interestingly, I saw a news report today, I think was issued by, uh, I forget which department, one of the federal departments, stating that Planned Parenthood now is responsible for more than half of all abortions that are committed in the United States, more than half. And yet the organization still receives federal funding. Now, Students for Life of America and other pro-life groups did what uh, I think is a very proactive thing, is that you've actually come up with a five-point plan to present to the government on how to defund Planned Parenthood. And what is really exciting news to me is that the administration met with you. They absolutely did. Uh, and, And it was a great meeting. It was a small meeting, and that's what really, I think, made it powerful, where you had a few of the leading pro-life groups in a room, um, March for Life, Students for Life, uh, SBA list was there, um, live action, uh, meeting with top administration officials, talking about what we want to see happen, and, uh, and frankly, how that can be accomplished. Because, and I think one thing um, that your audience may need to be aware of, there's no 
fund Planned Parenthood bill out there. There's not a one-size-fits-all location through which the nation's largest abortion vendor is getting their money. They get some Title X money. They get money through block grants. They, they're trying to get Medicare and Medicaid money. There's just these insidious ways in which they've infiltrated numerous budgets, numerous programs. They're at Health and Human Services selling aborted um, body parts from children uh, for research. You know, so there's all these income streams. And so uh, with the help of the Trump administration, we really have been trying to untangle them from uh, the budgets and, frankly, get them out of the pocket of the taxpayer. One of the things I found uh, interesting and more than a little disturbing is in Planned Parenthood's annual report, where they are now uh, making more money than they ever have in the past, uh, just uh, $500 million alone from the federal from, from government funding uh, in 2017. But they are cutting back on the non-abortion-related health services that they claim to give. Right. That's exactly right. You know, nobody goes to Planned Parenthood for a flu shot. And that's what is so maddening, really, for those of us in, in the pro-life movement where uh, and especially now with their with new their new president trying to say that as a physician, um, Dr. Wen is saying that she needs to push this abortion as health message. We all know that pregnancy is not a disease cured by abortion. It is the ending of a life. And Planned Parenthood has cut back on all kinds of life affirming services. They never did do mammograms, despite all the upheaval. The but the most that they did was refer you for a mammogram. Well. That's the same thing as taking a cut for nothing, you know. They 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 cut back on sexual transmitted disease uh, treatment and testing. They cut back on cancer screenings. They cut back on those things which actually extend and affirm a woman's life. Uh, what they want to do is get taxpayer money to sell birth control and sell abortions when those fail. That's what they're trying to do. Uh, and so getting at some of those funding streams is exactly what we were talking to the Trump administration about. What are some of the plans? As I understand, there's a five-point plan that has been presented to the administration. Right. Can you go into these points? Absolutely. The first point that we discussed with the administration was asking them to refuse to sign a budget that doesn't defund Planned Parenthood where possible. And first off, I think we're going to see a real push on the Hyde Amendment. And the Hyde Amendment uh, is, um, you know, the late uh, Congressman Henry Hyde came up with this uh, way of attaching it to budgets so that uh, you would not be paying for abortion except in cases of rape, incest, and danger to the health of the mother. That is very, very significant because now that the Democrats control the House, it's very possible that they want to strip out Hyde protection. So point number one, we want to see Hyde stay in the budget, and we will uh, fight very long and hard about any kind of measure that um, adds abortion funding to the budget, and that's going to come up very quickly. Uh, step two for us had to do with Title X. Title X is money set aside in the budget for family planning. So if you're poor and you need birth control, it would help pay for that through Title X, Medicare, Medicaid-type dollars. There was a protect life rule that the Trump administration put forward, and what it said was abortion vendors cannot be in the business of getting these money. Uh, you have to separate abortion businesses from family planning businesses. That rule, we called on the uh, Trump administration to finalize that rule and get that in place so that, again, we can separate Planned Parenthood from uh, federal dollars. The third thing is something we've all seen a lot of success on is to continue to, report, to appoint judges who respect the law. 
especially as um, the Republicans control the Senate, can anticipate a future Supreme Court nominee getting through. We can anticipate more good judges being appointed. The fourth thing had to do with research at Health and Human Services. There's more than $100 million going to research that includes aborted baby parts. This is abominable. There's been real advances in stem cell using adult stem cell, but using these infant body parts for experimentation, that just provides another income stream to the abortion industry because they get to choose to charge a processing fee for selling basically the broken bodies of of infants. And the fifth thing that we took a look at is, again, all these insidious income streams. The fifth thing dealt with sex education. That's another place where Planned Parenthood just picks your pocket. They create these so-called sex education curriculum. It's very graphic, very, very, very graphic. Then they go into your school and they teach kids their worldview on sex and sexuality and what they think kids could do or should do. And then they want to market the products that they sell to facilitate the lifestyle they've just outlined. And then if it all breaks apart, then they'll sell you the abortion. So it really is another marketing tool. And we, um, you know, this is, there's, sex education should also be separated from the abortion industry. And that has to do, again, with block grants. It has to do with state funds, but also federal funds. It's not about opposing education. It's about opposing Planned Parenthood using education dollars to market their abortion services. Now, while federal funds cannot be used directly to fund abortion. Well, as we know, you know, money is fungible. Every dollar that's spent in a non-abortion area for, uh, for Planned Parenthood is a dollar that's freed up for them to pursue their abortion agenda. And this exactly is something right. that people quite don't, I, I think people don't, don't fully understand this. I mean, I always hear this argument from the pro-abort side. Well, the taxpayer dollars are not used to fund abortion. Well, that simply isn't true. It facilitates it. Absolutely. That's what makes the Title X rule so exciting. And that's one reason why Planned Parenthood and the abortion industry is so angry about it. Because what the regulation change called for was that up to this point, Planned Parenthood could bring you into a Planned Parenthood clinic, sell you some birth control, get that tax money for the birth control, book you for an abortion appointment, you know, just they, and so that money could pay for rent, could pay for lights, could pay for staff, all that kind of stuff. What they're saying now in regards to Title X is if you want to do a family planning service, family planning dollars have to go to people who are actually helping you plan a family as opposed to just end a family. So you have to set up a separate facility. So the money coming in for family planning dollars would have to support that business only. So it's exactly like what you're saying, where they've been able to use this money to pay their electric bill, to pay their staff, to pay their rent. Uh, now, if you really want to be in the family planning business, great. Set up a separate business. But you can't use it to undergird your abortion business. Could pro-life pregnancy centers, pregnancy crisis centers, be eligible for these fundings under that uh, under those conditions? Well, it's interesting that you say that because what's going to happen now is people will have to, um, I mean, I think the short answer is yes. They would have to go in. They would have to apply for the dollars. And the Trump administration shorten the window for the current grant so that pro-life groups, or it doesn't have to be just pro-life groups, so that other groups, other family-oriented groups could come in and apply for those, those funds. So, yeah, they totally could. Now, of course, as with every federal program, and I'm sure your listeners understand this, 
uh, there's all these caveats, you know, to get this money, you're going to need to do A, B, C, D, and E, and all the rest of the alphabet. Mm-hmm. Um, but absolutely, this does provide a funding stream for people who are going to offer health care services. And, um, you know, they could take a look at it. That would be wonderful news if they could do it. I mean, there, there, are, there are so many organizations out there in uh, various centers that actually do provide women's health services. And so many of them are just on their own. They're, they're dependent upon donations. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and it's really interesting to, to me um, how, again, what I think is fascinating is Planned Parenthood, I mean, let's give them credit. They've lived, they figured out how to get a buck out of the taxpayer. So they have just infiltrated so many different programs, uh, sex education being a good example, where it's not their core business, but they can get this federal check for developing something and shipping it out. And then what do they do while they're out there intermingling in the community? They promote and sell their abortion business. What's the reception that uh, your organizations received from the administration officials that you met with? Oh, it was excellent. Yeah, the administration was very interested in talking with pro-life groups, very interested in seeing what could be done. We all understand that now that there is a democratically controlled House, which has been very openly pro-abortion, it's, there are, of course, wonderful pro-life Democrats, um, but not as many of them are in Congress. <laughs> so we understand that, you know, there are people that are in charge who have an abortion agenda. Well, abortion, uh, you know, abortion is one of the planks of the Democratic Party. Absolutely, yeah. And in this last presidential election, uh, I mean, Hillary Clinton ran on an agenda, the most pro-abortion agenda uh, of any presidential candidate, ran on it very directly, that they were going to get rid of hide protections and actually have taxpayers paying for abortion, that they were going to require all health coverage to include abortion. That, that, you know, they, she was very upfront about the direction she was going to go. I, I think what's been really great is uh, during the election, during the campaign, some people tried to say that Trump's pro-life sentiments were not sincere, but we have seen that they were. He has very much delivered on a pro-life agenda and been very helpful in looking at how life can be protected. Uh, for example, uh, the Mexico City policy is one that people may or may not be aware of, but what the Mexico City policy does is says we're not going to pay for abortions overseas. Sure, we want to help people, health care, food, vitamins, but not abortion. And so uh, Trump, with executive action, was able to say, we're going to institute, again, taxpayer protection so that we're not paying for international abortion. That was outstanding. That's just one of many things that the president has taken a look at and done. Um, And he's been very great to work with on those kinds of things. Well, for example, the United Nations just recently declared abortion a human right. Uh, I, I question how it can be a human right when it invariably ends in human death. <laughs> yes. It's ironic, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, that, uh, I, what I think is funny is how they'll call it family planning, where they shouldn't they really call it anti-family planning. <laughs> Your plan is for no one to have a family. And if we want to help people, shouldn't we really be talking about immunization and food and Safety, rather than well, what it well, let's just end your life. That'd be quicker. It's it's incongruous, really, isn't it? It really is, and and we see um, again if you look at the annual report that Planned Parenthood has put out, they say that abortion only accounts for like three percent of their services. They're playing a, they're playing a game there. You know, the per, the woman comes in, okay, she'll get any abortion, but she'll also get blood pressure, she'll get a blood test, she'll get X, Y, and Z, she'll get this, that, and that, and they add them all together. 
even though she came exactly. in for an abortion. <laughs> and if you look at their uh, revenue stream, abortion, if, even if the claim of a 3% just doesn't wash, it's like it's close to half of their non-governmental income comes from abortion. Exactly. No, it's, it's funny. I mean, and the moral equivalency between having your temperature taken and ending a life, you know, my, I, like most people, probably had a surgery. And you go in and you realize that a surgery is a major deal. Having your temperature taken and actually having a surgery, two very different things. Mm-hmm. Uh, Planned Parenthood just is not honest about what is the focus of the most of their time and the, the focus of their practice. You know, and anybody who's seen the Center for Medical Progress videos, I think, would be very disturbed just by the attitude and spirit of the people who are making their living by ending lives, the cold-heartedness and just the eye on the money. Yeah, I've uh, seen those it's, videos. It's, they're, they're horrifying. No wonder the judge out there is trying to slap them with a, a gag order. Exactly. Yeah. Because a picture is worth more than a thousand words. Absolutely. It? And it turns out that the judge also is heavily involved with Planned Parenthood. Okay. Well. What a, yeah, what a surprise. Uh, David Leiden is fighting that one, so God bless him. Yes, he is. He's fighting long and hard. And he and Kristen Hawkins, who is president of Students for Life, have uh, long time acquainted and uh, have worked side by side. And it, he really has done us all a service by illustrating who it is that's making this money. You know, p- abortion is sitting there bragging about how they want a Lamborghini. And I think people need to keep that in mind. These are people whose primary business model is making sure you don't have a family. And, and I, here's one of the things that bothers me. Now, I myself am a mother of four, and I have two sons and two daughters. I believe both, all my children, my sons and my daughters, are equally intelligent, equally capable of doing well in the workplace, equally uh, able to succeed across the board. But what abortion says to women, and it's such a misogynist message, is that, you know, in the Victorian model, they said to women, you know what, you really can't multitask. You're not smart enough. You can't balance work and family, so you should just stay home and take care of your family. But modern-day feminists and abortion feminists, they say to you, you know, you really aren't able to multitask. You really can't do career and family, so you should just have a career. <laughs> that is so ridiculous. It's just the same message that somehow we women can't walk and chew gum at the same time. We just aren't capable of having a family and a career and balancing other interests, and so we should just keep it simple and, in, this, in their mind, you know, get rid of our children. And that, to me, is the tremendous irony of the abortion message. It sells women short every day. Another irony of the message is that uh, the rate of abortions uh, among African-American women, they are aborting their children at the same rate. Actually, I think it's twice the rate, more than twice the rate of white women. I mean, this is... This is being aimed really at at the minority community, and and yet they're saying, well, if you're if you're opposing Planned Parenthood, you're a plo- you're you're a racist. You're opposing uh, you're opposing African Americans who are losing their children. Oh yeah, and and we all know. I mean, the, Margaret Sanger, who was the founder of Planned Parenthood, was a huge racist. Deliberately wanted to see African American lives ended. And argued for, you know, targeting those um, precious people. And in fact, even today, there's plenty of studies out there showing how Planned Parenthood often puts their clinics in minority neighborhoods. I mean, there's a terrible history of racism 
in Planned Parenthood's um, past, and I, I would argue in their presence, in the way in which they really do insinuate that these babies should not be born. Well, we're coming up, regrettably, on an anniversary of the Roe v. Wade decision back in 1973. And every year since then, there have been pro-life demonstrations in the District of Columbia. Are Students for Life of America planning to participate this, this January? Oh, absolutely. You know, one thing about Students for Life of America is we love a good protest. <laughs> when you go out to the, um, when you go out to any event, you'll see our students there. They're active, they're vibrant, they're vocal, very articulate. And if you go to the Students for Life um, website, which I would welcome everyone to come, you can see uh, we have a conference that will take place the day after um, the March for Life. So our students will be there marching, and the day after we're going to be in the D.C. metro area with the nation's largest pro-life training conference. And here's what's so funny. Planned Parenthood brags all the time about how they represent this current generation. I would argue they represent the generation of aging feminists, but, you know, that's an aside. (laughs) (laughs) But um, last year at our conference, we trained almost three times as many people in one day that they said they trained in a year. Wow. Last year, year we had about 2,000 students at our event Planned Parenthood, in their annual report, mentioned that they had trained 750 students throughout the year. 750? We do that in a day. We trained more than 11,000 pro-life students last year on how to deliver a pro-life message and stand up for women and their born and pre-born children. Uh, And one of the things that we work for is nobody should have to choose between their education and um, and their child. So how can we help you do both? And that's a pro-life message. Not that women are less than, but that we are more than. And so how are we going to help you be more? I mean, the LCMS will be out there in force uh, during the uh, march, and you'll be able to tell our delegation we're the ones who always sing. (laughs) Well, it's it's so great when you're there. I don't know. People who are listening, I hope they'll go. It's so so dynamic, and it's it's beautiful. It's just like a, a quilt of the American people, you know, all races, all creeds, all colors, you have people singing, and it's a beautiful event. It is indeed. Christy, I want to thank you so much for taking time out of your day to appear on this program. The message is important, and the work that you have been doing is absolutely incredible and very optimistic. Well, thanks so much for having us, and I look forward to seeing you at the march. Okay, God bless you. World Lutheran News Digest may be heard every Wednesday at 2.30 p.m. and again at 9.30 a.m. Saturday Central Time on Worldwide KFUO. It may also be heard anytime streaming online at kfuo.org. Join us again next Wednesday for another new edition of World Lutheran News Digest. I'm your host, Kip Allen. World Lutheran News Digest is a broadcast ministry of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. WLN Digest is produced through the facilities of Worldwide KFUO. You can also listen to WLN Digest on demand at kfuo.org. To correspond with World Lutheran News Digest, email news at kfuo.org.